Hey everyone, welcome to Thursday's Roundtable with Pastor Wes. What's up? McGinty, Pastor McGinty. Hey. And this guy. Hey, I'm Matt. And uh, <laughs> we are so glad that you have taken time to join us today. Uh, okay. We're so glad we're All rejoicing. Right. <laughs> Great cloud of witnesses. What? Um, so <laughs> we're glad you're here with us today. What we're going to be talking about today is we are looking at work and having a balanced view of uh, work and success. So we're going to do that in a variety of ways. We're going to look at some Proverbs. We're going to do a little trivia uh, thing here. And um, and Daniel's got a uh, an article he's going to share with us. But, uh, About yeah. quiet quitting. Quiet, quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. New, new trend. Before we get there, we do have some trivia. Now let me just preface this trivia here. I guess this trivia is uh, about what we call successful failures. Ooh. Things where received as failure but in the long run it it was it proved to be a success this and that. And yeah. So uh, I I and I got a, I'll have a bonus question at the end. It's not on this list. Oh, Wes <laughs> brought his own. I'm All right, intrigued. here we go. A question 1. Uh generally believed this Nobel Prize winner could not speak until the age of 3, causing parents and teachers to think they were that the, he was mentally handicapped. Who okay. Well, you got to give us some like options here. Uh, it doesn't have options. It just has the incorrect answers that you left as answer A, and then it gives me the correct It doesn't answer. give you any of the correct answers? Uh-huh. Then we don't have a quiz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just take a guess. Wait, hold on. I can pull up the actual quiz here on my phone. So no, you- no, no, no. Take no, a guess. Take I a guess. mean, uh, this is not no some obscure idea. person. I don't know. Just give us the answer. Yeah, it was Albert Einstein. I was going to say Albert Einstein. I really was, Einstein, was yeah. but I'm like, did he win the Nobel? Of course uh, he did. Oh, we gotta have we gotta have the options. Dubbed this. the you can you can get these you can I promise we'll, we'll get these. Okay. Dubbed the Wizard of Menlo Park. What inventor only had three official months of school? Uh, Thomas Edison. What's Menlo Park? Thomas Edison's laboratory. Oh, okay. So did I get <laughs> yeah. it right? Yeah, you got it right. Give yourself a point. Good point. Um, uh, I will uh, use the cheer button. In two this minutes. person okay. was okay. fired. Um, by a newspaper editor because quote they lacked imagination and had no good ideas end quote. Uh, they had a number of businesses that went bankrupt before they finally found success. Was that Disney? Walt go, the yeah. Disney. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Can you imagine if that editor no was ideas, if that huh? editor was still alive? Oh, that's kind of like the guy who was like, "Oh yeah, the Beatles—they're terrible. We shouldn't sign them." <laughs> well, you know, Charles uh, Schultz—you know, the author of the Peanuts and stuff—like he got like a failed grading on drawing children. <laughs> he did like his art. I just said, love that you specifically the quote is: "He lacks imagination." Mm. Wow. Yeah. House of Mouse, man, dude. I Good will not grief. play the theme song for the imagination. So it's tied one one. Epcot. We got a one one. What's the stake here? Uh, I don't know what's that. I guess. I guess how credible you want to appear to the viewing audience, <sighs> listening audience. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, British politician and Nobel Prize winner had a generally poor academic record and even failed the sixth grade. They also had a speech impediment. Winston Churchill. Ding ding ding. Well, hey, yeah. you didn't give him a chance to have the answer. What were you going to say? I was actually going to say either Churchill or Margaret Thatcher, but... Okay. Hey, yeah. yay me, Winston Churchill. I'll give you both a point. Okay. Uh, I yeah, did not Winston see the answers to this, by the way. I just, you know... And didn't become prime minister till. 62. I remember hearing that fact, I think, a long time ago. Um, this TV personality, you all definitely know this name, um, 
suffered a n- numerous career setbacks and was fired from their job as a television reporter for being, quote, unfit for television. Unfit. Did this guy eventually end up in comedy, I wonder? I, I, I can't answer those kind of questions. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go David Letterman. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty good guess. Because, I mean, I mean, you think about a late night host, he was kind of quirky and weird. Yeah. Um, that's the only reason why I could think of him. So I'll go with that too. So here's the deal. David Letterman was the answer that you left when you printed it off, and it's incorrect. <laughs> the correct answer would be actually someone who's far more influential than David Letterman, would be Oprah Winfrey. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would say so in yeah. many aspects. Okay, uh, what famous painter, so it's still tied 2-2 for all of you. Okay. Uh, what famous painter managed to only sell one painting in their lifetime? Okay. Picasso. Okay, we got a Picasso oh, answer. I wanted to say Picasso. I'm going to go Monet. Monet. Irony is Monet's the answer you left on here, but it's not Monet. Well, I just clicked A in all of them. Van so Gogh. I the remember there was one of those that was correct. You just don't know which, <laughs> don't know which uh, one. It's not Picasso. It was Vincent Van Gogh. Oh. Vincent oh, I Van Gogh. That was my third answer. Only one painting. <laughs> that was my second answer. I just said it. But it's like artists. Yeah. It's like the running gag, like when you're you're more famous after you're dead. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me see. For artists, here. their work is always worth more after they're gone. It's okay, sad. according to folklore, a screen test report on this performer said, "quote Can't sing, can't act, balding, can dance a little." Who is it? <laughs> I'm tempted to say like, <laughs> who's the friend in Seinfeld? Uh, the George Costanza. George Costanza. Jason Alexander. <laughs> it's not him though. <laughs> not, that's not my final no. answer, dude. I'm trying to think of like an older, like older. You know, musical person from like the fifties or sixties or something. Oh, uh, I'm Gene Kelly on mine. Yeah, I'm just dancing in the rain or singing in the rain. Or Fred Astaire. No. Uh, okay, so I was trying to verify because the way this printed out, it printed out a little funky. But I believe the correct answer is Fred Astaire. Oh okay. wow! Because Gene well Kelly said done. the history of dance on film begins with Fred Astaire. Yeah. Look at so. you. What are we at? Like three and three or two? It's and two? three and two. But you have three and a half, two. And the oh. problem is with question 10, we've already kind of referenced it, and Uh-oh. it's easing. Okay. Uh, a record company declined to re- to sign a band the Beatles. saying I won. that. Beatles, I won. Quote, <laughs> I won. Guitar groups are <laughs> on the, the way crowd, out. Crowd noise. Beatles. Not the monkeys? It was no? the Beatles. Yeah. 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 Still counts as one. Which, you know, it's just crazy. I mean, the Beatles are still in, like, the top five most-selling artists every year, and they haven't made an album in 50-some-odd years. Yeah. So uh, here's my trivia question. Right, which, does this count as, like, this, if we get this, whoever gets this wins, even though he's got the lead, right? It's worth two points? No? We're not going to do that? Because either way, I lose. Uh, or we tie. Uh, you know, uh, we'll say... I'll defer to your senior pastor wisdom on this. Man, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to throw it to you guys in the comment section. So if, if obviously, if both get it wrong, Matt wins. If Matt gets it right, Matt wins. But if Daniel gets it right, you're going to decide if Daniel should therefore Come get on, the y'all. Win. Team McGinty. And we'll let you know on the next podcast what happens here. All right. Uh, we're going to throw it to the people. Oh, Democracy man, look rules. at you working on um, social medias. Yeah. So here's the question. In... Uh, because we're talking about all of these quizzes, all of these questions are about successful failures. Mm-hmm. People who either failed and then ended up becoming successes or people who are perceived as failures. So that is actually a phrase at NASA, the successful failure. Mm. In NASA, what does that refer to? The successful failure. Like a specific event? There's a specific, specific event <sighs> in, uh, in, in the history of uh, 
uh, space exploration that's considered the successful failure. Okay, I'm going to write off the Challenger. I'm going to write off Apollo 12. Um, my answer is Apollo 13. Okay. What do you want, Matt? I know it seems. I, I mean, know. I would probably have said Apollo 13 as well. It's my answer. <laughs> you can't have it. No, I want the right answer. <laughs> I know. No, I. Uh, and just thinking back over over different NASA accomplishments. Um, yeah, I would have to go with that as well. It's a great answer. Apollo 13. Oh, okay. So it, it, I guess it, it Matt failed, wins. It failed every mission objective in every way. I feel But they like successfully brought them home. And in addition, I believe it led them to to figure out how to revamp well, stuff and, and, and correct yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And, so um, were you going to say Apollo 13 anyways. before I said it? Yeah, I really was. I wouldn't expect you to say Apollo yeah, 13. Can't lie. This is no, like a double thing you land in church. No, I'm, I'm I wasn't expecting because you said you were going to rule out Apollo 12. And my mind was thinking, well, of course it's not Apollo 12. They landed on the moon. And Alan yeah. Bean went on to paint paint. I guess I was thinking of it. Which was the one that had the fire in the capsule? That's Apollo 1. Yeah, Apollo all one, three okay. astronauts died in like I was off by seconds. like, you know, 10. <laughs> not technically because actually they went from Apollo 1 then to like Apollo 6. Yeah. And uh, test flights. Okay, well, Matt, here you go. Here's your button. Ready? Congratulations, well Matt! Yeah, Matt right. That means Matt is a is is the successful a failure success. of the day. <laughs> okay, <all laughs> just right. a straight up success. You're not a yeah. successful failure. Well done. So I think I'd rather be a successful failure than a failing success. There you go. Maybe so. Fail upwards. Well, so, so let's this whole quiet quitting thing. Let's talk about this. You ready? Yeah. All right. Quiet quitting. Well, is, tell us about it. What is this thing? As we talk about success, we talk about the workforce or being. You know, what does it mean to be successful in God's eyes in the, in you know in school or whatever it looks like to work hard? Um, you know, there's this new trend that's happening, and it's called quiet quitting. Okay. I'm going to read this excerpt from a. From a CNN article, don't hate, but it seemed like actually it had it pretty well worded. So here we go. The now viral phrase, quiet quitting, is annoyingly imprecise and misleading. Some say it means doing the bare minimum at work or not just going above and beyond. Others say it's about setting healthy boundaries or not mindlessly buying into the hustle culture. Then there are those who say it's about taking back control of your time and standing up to employers expecting you to do more without paying you more. But one thing quiet quitting is not about is someone actually quitting, at least not yet. So managers and leaders, especially those facing staff shortages, might view the concept less as a threat than an opportunity to re-engage your employees. So if you manage several employees out there, you're in the workforce, and you hear someone talking, hey, I think about quiet quitting. All right, here you go. Here's what this kind of means. Uh, by asking what really interests them in their work and letting them prioritize their efforts accordingly. At the same time, to better prioritize what essential for teams to be doing and what isn't. So quiet quitting, essentially, there's, there's a, sort of a, broad range of meaning, you know, there's well-intentioned people who say, you know, I work too hard. I do. I work more than what I'm actually getting paid for. And my work-life balance is off. Then there's those who are like, you know, very disillusioned and very cynical and go, no matter how hard I work, I'm not going to get ahead. So I'm just going to barely try. And that's what quiet quitting is. Like, I'm just giving up and I'm just going to just do enough to earn my paycheck and not get fired (laughs) and, uh, and just, just kind of show up. So what are you guys thoughts on this guys? Man. Quiet quitting. It's, yeah. I think it's entertaining, like all things that it it it, it could be one of two extremes. Yeah. You know, uh, that's probably what my initial reaction is because I, I, I've seen I've seen both. Uh, I've experienced both. Uh, you know, in terms of certainly there are aspects of our culture where uh, work and success are, and, and specifically success success as as kind of corporate 
America determines success uh, socially. Um, people sell out for it, and you're expected to work. You know, we're going to pay you as a 20-hour intern, but we're going to work you 60. Yeah. And that's not just in corporate America. I, I know churches mm. that have intern programs yeah. that are supposed to be for no more than 20 hours, and they pay them next to nothing, but they work them for 45 to 60 hours a week every week because it's fr- it's essentially free labor, and, hey, and it's in the name of ministry, and it's for Jesus. And it's instead of going, wait a minute, doesn't Scripture also talk about, like, paying the worker their yeah. wages? Yeah. So I've, on one hand, I've seen that, and, and it is good to resist and kind of pull back from that mentality. At the same time, we also, you know, to just go, you know what, I'm okay to just give the bare minimum uh, is also a poor reflection because Scripture does say whatever you do, yeah, work, play, eating, drinking, sleeping, whatever, do all to the glory of God. And, and God expects uh, how should you do things to the best of ability. I, one of the things that's, that my mom would get on to me all the time when I was younger, um, you know, I might have a school assignment and it might ask a question, who was the first man to step to the sun on the moon? I'd write Neil Armstrong, right? It's correct. And my mom would go on to me and she said, Wes, no, you don't answer a question like that without answering in a sentence, the right way to answer a sentence. So mm-hmm. instead of trying to Armstrong, you write, the first man to land on the moon is Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. And her quote would always, so this or anything else, but she'd always say, it takes so little to be above average. It's good. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. coming that from from wanting to, to do your work well, you know, what's what's the classic? I didn't know this was a more a social dilemma, but they've used the idea of the uh, the ultimate social test on things like this is whether or not someone will take back their shopping cart. Oh, wow. <laughs> because there is nothing in the law requiring you to put that shopping cart back. Yeah. All these, but got there that is one something. Out. <laughs> oh yeah. I got the coin. Right. So anyways, it, it, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me because I've seen both extremes. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it, and it presents, it opens up the door for conversation on, um, you know, really what, what does appropriate work look like? Yeah. What are appropriate expectations for that? What does it mean to work hard? Um, and Matt, sort of like I'm trying to think in perspective for students here. A lot of them have part-time jobs or might be working a job or maybe doing something on the side. Like, Matt, what advice would you give your students and what kind of attitudes they have towards their employers? Yeah. I, so having kids, I mean, I, I deal with this too. They don't have a job, but even in doing the chores, you know, sometimes they'll do just the bare minimum yeah. to get by. Well, that you. You said do this, so I did it. It's like, yes, but, you know, um, you could have done it, uh, done a little bit more. You could have uh, finished the task. And um, well, the classic, go clean your room. Okay, I didn't say shove everything under your bed. <laughs> yeah, I said clean up your room, like actually right. put them actually where they do, belong. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would, I would, advice I give them, and, and a lot of times this goes to, um, Sometimes with students will have a job that requires them to work on a Wednesday or a Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, say, you know, I just, I, you know, they, that's when they schedule me. Um, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll tell them up front is, hey, you know, be sure and state that that is non-negotiable for you, that yeah. you, you want to make sure that you're in the Lord's house, but also work in a way that um, they're going to want to do whatever they can to keep you. Yeah. So like when you come back and you ask for that Sunday off, um, and they say, no, nah, we need you to work. So, I'm sorry, I can't do it. They want you so badly because of the work that you do that they will, they will bend over backwards to try and say, okay, let's, let's figure something out here and let's try and make this work. So I, as Christians, we should be 
we should be the hardest workers, you know, yeah. because we we work and we, we work for Christ, we represent Christ. And um And Matt, yeah, to your so point there, I think you see that. Um I think when you read, we don't always think of it in this way when we read the Old Testament. I think you see it in both Old and New Testament because it's, it's there. But but in the Old Testament, I think you see that in um, how did Joseph, a slave, earn favor because of the quality of his work? Yeah. How, what, what was it about Daniel that caused him? Now, you can say, well, well, Daniel, God gave him the ability to interpret that dream. But did you notice, like, he he did his very best at it. Yeah. yeah. He didn't just do the bare minimum. He went in and said, Lord, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful to you and honor you. And that, you know, when you look throughout the old Testament, you see these stories of characters. We may not necessarily associate with the idea of work and success and work ethic, but you see time and time again, that part of the reason these people were looked to part of the way that God raised them up was they did quality work. They were trustworthy. Trustworthy. There was something yeah. different. They were right. trustworthy. They, they weren't just working to get the reward in terms of paycheck, or maybe that kind of speaks to some of the bare minimum of, I'm going to do the bare minimum because the bare minimum gets me this and not more, as opposed to, you know what, like, I want to do this well, because ultimately how I, how I do this task, how I engage in this job, how I sweep the floors at McDonald's, how I take this test, how I, whatever work may be for your situation, script New Testament's clear. You do it all for the glory of God. I want God to be delighted in how I did this work. And I, and I, you know, New Testament, there's all sorts of commands to the slave with their master, um, which um, praise God today. That's not the situation we're addressing, but but it does apply to the employee and the employer that you're to work hard is unto the Lord and not yeah. to men, and and doing that and and that's one way that we as believers will shine is because wow that person actually does quality work mm-hmm. in humility, honestly, yeah. not for what they get out of it, but for what they can give through it yeah. uh you know so we, we see that idea you're talking about i think really clearly illustrated um and quality work does not have quality. to be involved you putting in above and beyond the time sometimes it just means being intentional Absolutely. with the time that you have or just treating people really well i think about the times where you get great customer service in places you don't expect it you know maybe like yeah. it's a you know a a technical phone call or something or calling your insurance company and someone goes above and beyond to help you yeah. and they have a, a good attitude about how they treat you and talk to you like, wow, thank you yeah. so much for just treating me I like just, a person I just had and a, not a problem. Uh, a service rep with a, with a furniture company the other day. I was the absolute best service rep. I was so grateful to her on the phone because she just, she was clear. She, she heard what I had to say. She was helpful. Uh, and she went above and beyond. She called the warehouse and, and was willing to do more. And I mean, it just, I was like, and, you know, it, it didn't take but 10 minutes out of her day. Yeah. And, uh, phenomenal. Yeah. You are, you are touched by those things and you see, and for us as believers, we should be doing that because, uh, uh, God's, uh, the way God's called us, um, to engage and you uh, think to engage in work and it has natural benefits too. You do a really good job at something. One people are going to want to give you raises. They want to keep you around. They're going to want to like, Hey, let you keep working and have flexibility work done so you can take Sundays off. I mean, Chick-fil-A has got this figured out. People don't just go to Chick-fil-A because their food is good. They go there because they know they're going to get great customer service because they hire people yeah. who will do work hard and will do a good job and will say my pleasure to anything that you ask them to do you know yeah. or and you just don't go because the lines are too long that's <laughs> what i was you gonna know. say right there <laughs> order hey if you're smart you order on the app great service but you gotta wait out. an hour to get it um okay, i gotta interject here this is super funny so we were at panera bread across from the chick-fil-a on sunday 
And there's these two workers inside cleaning Chick-fil-A on Sunday. And they parked the cars under the drive-thru awning to get the shade. So there's two cars in a row. Yeah, did there. people come and get and behind so them? And like watched the this minivan open. pull up behind the two cars and it's going to wait there. And it's going to wait there and go, oh, man. <laughs> they totally wow. think the Chick-fil-A is open. After a couple minutes, you see the car lights like pull a, away a go really away. mean prank. I know. It's like, dude, if you <laughs> want to mess with people, like get a bunch of people together and all line up in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. So yeah. coming back here for a second, this 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 is <laughs> such a wide... No, no, you're good. This is such a wide topic that I think there's a couple things that as I'm processing this, even in the moment, that stand out to me. One is the idea of doing the bare minimum in a job because that's all that's... That's enough to get the check in the eyes of the world. I think some of that in the negative sense can can be because we as believers don't understand. One, like God created work before sin entered the picture, Mm -hmm. which means that the problem is not that we have work to do. And therefore we're constantly right. We live in a leisure culture. We're constantly, we we, we do the work so we can get the leisure. That's actually not how God wired it. God wired us to both work and to rest. Mm -hmm. Um, pre-sin what sin did is not bring work into the picture but broke our relationship with work it dichotomized so work and play we There's either no we either hate work and lose our lose that aspect or we idolize work and what work can give and worship it and we find our identity in it and that's where you get to the two extremes i think here that the solution for what's the solution for for both of it like how, how are we successful in work well the solution to I don't I don't want to give in to the overwork, no time, no boundaries, no rest culture of success. I also don't want to be the I don't really care, nothing matters. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. No no sense of of healthy pride. Something between work. slacker and workaholic. Yeah. The, the, what's the median ground is God. How can I glorify you through my work? Yeah. God does not expect you to sell out to be a workaholic. Nor does God is God okay with us just not being healthy good workers but how do you be a healthy good worker lord whatever i do i'm going to do unto you for your glory not for the paycheck um i'm i'm um and 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 it's and i'm going to be faithful to you in it which brings a missional dimension that yeah um what doors does god open in there i think for me um i i am for sure in my relationship with work i would skew to the uh over hyper perfection like sometimes my mom said man I know I told you as a kid it takes so little to become average, but now that I know who you turned out as an adult, I wish I kind of would have tampered that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and people will take as much, especially in ministry, people will take as much time as you give them. And it's sure. hard. you got to lay down boundaries. Well, and there's no, you're no doing At the end of every day, our jobs, we go to, we go, you know, when it's, it's not a job, it's a calling, but we go to bed every day knowing that there are still a million things on the to-do list that didn't get done because there's still a minute and nothing else. Let's say in theory, we got our to-do list done. There's still a world full of people who don't know Christ. So our to-do yeah. list isn't done. It never ends. But two things that were helpful for me, two, two quick stories that were helpful in regard to this for me. Now they were school stories, but I think they apply. Mm. Um, when I was a freshman in college, I had I had um, biology um, uh, biology thirteen oh one intro to biology and and now they have biology for like bio majors and bio for non there's none of that there's I just blow you remember the the class number <laughs> oh yeah well it's because of the structure right one freshman class three three hours zero one the section number it was you know because it was an eight thirty class uh, eight there o'clock you class. go. But after one test, the class had done really poorly on this test. And, and my professor was like, if Miss Frizzle was a college professor, that was Dr. Noyce. It was awesome. I love Dr. Noyce. And I had to work hard in that class. I mean, there were some things in there. I had to go to her office and, and really work and strive and, and, and figure out. And 
she just really, she just, she kind of, she didn't light in like got mad, but she just was really disappointed. She said, class, I'm disappointed because the average grade in this class, and I remember it was, was really low. And she said, here's why I'm disappointed, because as I went through and graded the test, it was very clear that it was just sloppy work. Mm-hmm. She said, I want to be clear. It's not because the grade was low. She said, and she looked so intent in her eyes, and she said, I want to be clear. Not all of you in this room has God gifted with the mind to be a biologist because that's not how God makes every person. And it's not because you made a If you're in this room and you're, give, you give your best, you honor God in this, and your best is making a D, I want you to know that I am more proud of you than the student who's just really gifted and makes an A. Wow. Because it's about the quality of your work. And so that was all of a sudden. It was kind of this eye-opening of, you know what? It's not about the grade. And it's in realizing not all of us are talented in the same thing. So what does success look like? It's going to be different for all of us, right? Not everybody's a great – my dad's a math major. Like he would do <laughs> math problems for fun teaching me in high school. Oh I'm like, I, I, you're good. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> That's clearly not everybody. Fun for yeah. you, not for the me. other thing that was impactful – so that was impactful one, do your best. The other thing that was impactful was when I was – and you all have this experience in seminary. I was in my first year of seminary. I'm working full-time as a youth pastor. And I had a professor who got up and he said, he walked through the course syllabus and what was expected. He said, now I want to be clear. I want you to hear me carefully, students. For some of you in this class to make an A would mean you were unfaithful to God. And he said, because some of you, you have families and you have full-time jobs. And to do the, and give the amount of time to accomplish all these assignments needed to make an A means you have been unfaithful in your family and in your ministry. Mm. He said, vice versa, some of you in this room, this is all you got. And this isn't a lot. And for you not to make an A or to give the effort to make an A would be sinful because it means you would be lazy and not applying yourself. And and just, again, this idea of that was so mind-blowing and helped me realize as far as school relates, success is not what that grade letter is. Success is did I honor God in my effort and did Mm. I learn? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's That's not judged by a grade. And I think you bring up really something important about success, especially as we kind of mature in our faith and mature in what we kind of go through in life, whether it be workforce or whatever. I remember being super frustrated playing tennis and I'd get super frustrated. I wouldn't, you know, wasn't getting better at certain things, my serve or whatever it was, or I'd lose a game. And one of my older guys on the team, um, Andrew Penner, so remember his name, um, he just see myself, just beat myself over this kind of thing. He said, listen, McGinty, it's okay to mistake, make mistakes. It's okay. But it's not okay not to learn from them. Yeah. And that was like very freeing for me to know, okay, this is how you get better. You just fail to some extent. But but mm-hmm. if you're trying hard and you're you capitalizing on those mistakes, God will use them. He'll train you, move you forward and whatever you're doing. And if you're giving it your you're all in your best. And you know, one of the things I'm trying to think through here too is, and maybe Matt, you can kind of help us out with this. Um how do we know, like it's just like a checkup kind of questions. How do we know if we're over prioritizing work? How do we know if we're kind of worshiping work instead of worshiping God through work? Like what are some like, can you guys think of some like checkup things or if, if this is how you're feeling or this is how you're starting your day or if this is kind of going on in your heart, it's a good indicator that, you know, maybe you've over prioritized work. Maybe you're shooting for the A when you should be getting an A and being a dad you know, and not getting an A at work. Um, what do you guys think? Or do you think there's some like mile markers or some like checkup things that might be some good indicators for people? You know, I think, I think for me, as I think about my role as a, as a husband, as a dad, as a student pastor, there, there are times where, um, 
even though I, I many times I feel like a failure as a student pastor. Um, I, 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 I've done that and I've had more experience with that. So there are times where it's, it's like, okay, I'm, I know this, and this this is able to fit uh, in this box and be a little more comfortable. And then being a dad and being a husband is the harder work, and it's yeah. it's the um, it's the more important work. And yeah. I think to myself, um, I, I remind myself of this a lot that you know what, if I walked away from my job, they could easily find another guy to do my job. But I, if I fail at being a husband and a dad. I get one shot at this. Yeah. Like there's, you're not replaceable. I'm not replaceable. And so if work, if work steals, um, from my, and, and of course there's going to be times where, yeah, you gotta be away on a trip or you've got to, you know, you've got to work maybe a little extra longer that day. Um, you make sure that the time you have with your family is, is quality time, you yeah. know, that it, you, you maximize that time. And so I think, I think just reminding myself of, okay, this work that I'm doing, and yes, is in ministry, the work is eternal. For if you have a if a secular job, you know you're like, oh, it, but it, this work isn't really eternal. You focus on the things that that really matter. And when it yeah. comes to people, and yes, you know most jobs entail people working with people, working for people. Um, but you also think, okay, the people that God has placed in my life to have a primary influence on, how am I doing with that? And am I am I worshiping my work? And you know the the minutia of the work rather than focusing on the the ministry that God has given to me, mm. and you know being there for my coworkers and and great customer service to the people that I'm working for. Um, so for me, that's that's one. I don't know, Wes. I think if you attitude checks are, are key too. You know, you think yeah. through like how what's your emotional health like. I think for us as guys, it's hard for us to put words how we're feeling. It's like I'm just I'm just mad. But for like women, like they might have like 10 different words for like, I'm upset or like different reasons why, or like, it's this kind of mad, not this kind of mad. I'm like, I'm just frustrated. I'm just angry or whatever. And I think, you know, for me, a good indicator that I'm too stressed out at work because there's, the checklist is like particularly like strong at work because it's like a really busy season or whatever is when I go home, how are my patience levels? Yeah. How are my patience levels with the kids? Am I over-prioritizing work? Or they, get your left, of, they get your leftovers. They get our leftovers, and it's yeah. so hard to do. And I've tried to, like, before I get home, just take a second to breathe and pray. Say, okay, God, whatever stress or frustrations I have, the things I didn't get done today, don't let me take that into the home. Let me give them my full attention. Let me put the phone down because I'm so guilty. I like to keep the phone near me. And Brooke's yeah. like, leave the phone. Let it charge. You know, just give your kids your full attention. And uh, as parents... You know, as a dad, that's it's hard for me to do, and just being just being real, and I'm by nature not a patient person. I might be good at some other things, but I'm I'm an impatient person. I when I come to a a light in in the road, I'm going to pick the lane and move into the lane that has one less car than the other lanes, and so to be intentional about being patient and taking long deep breaths and just being present with my kids and not letting that stress from from getting things done um, and being checklist oriented. You know, because I'm a task oriented person too. And it's easy for me. I think you made a really good point. It's easy for us to become very task oriented as men and to forget, Hey, the people are what matters first, especially yeah. in ministry. Yeah. Well, so I think there's, there's kind of two, both, both your answers kind of go to two different sides. You, you're almost talking about how do I know it's time to reset, seek rest, seek renewal, um, versus how do I know I'm, man, I'm war. And then those things go hand to hand sometimes, but worshiping work. I think as far as the work side of things, there's a couple things that stick out to me. One is, you know, you're out of line in your relationship with work. Um, when, when you truly can't find identity outside of 
whatever that is. That's so, a great point. For instance, I, I always share the story when I'm a teenager. Part of how God convicted me about my idolatry of athletics was however I performed athletically dictated how I felt who I was and how I could relate to you as another person, even though you didn't care and didn't even know. So mm. if I played great last night, I felt, I mean, I, I was good. You, you derived your confidence I can, from my that. Com- yes, my confidence is from If mm-hmm. I played bad, man, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I'm not cool. I, my, my identity's shaken. Mm. So now I realize some, that's a sports example, but that applies to, to school. That applies to work, man. Oh, hey, sure. I mean, work's going great. I'm really good. I'm, so whatever that is, if I'm all of a sudden realizing I am, I am finding my identity and confidence, my boast in life is tied to my performance in work and my success in work. I think work's taken, taken too much. That's a fickle mistress. I mean, Uh, you just think if you're tying your self-worth and confidence to work, I mean, there's ups and downs. Sure. So you're not, you're you're lacking stability in your life as well. And that doesn't mean, again, that doesn't mean you can't be be proud of a job you've well, done sure. in work or that's what I mean but, but like my my ability to fill as a whole human being is connected to to my success or not success in whatever work is I think that's one I think two if you're going wow I look at my life and there is no space for rest there is no space for the private pursuit of God and I'm not saying you gotta have a four hour quiet time every day <laughs> I just mean wow I don't ever have any time alone with the Lord because I'm okay. Maybe you're a little too busy. Now, again, I mean that holistically as a lifestyle. That's not to say that there are not going to be seasons for people. You know, it's kind of like youth camp. Ironically, as a youth pastor, you want to know the hardest place to try to have a quiet time for me? Youth camp. Yeah. Because from sunup to sundown, I am responsible for all these teenagers and I'm with them 24 7. How, and that's when I realized, okay, I'm going to learn how to seek the Lord and I'll walk that more. Anyways, we can go, that's a whole different deal. But there's seasons for you as as, as a new mom who's at home and that nursing child is completely and totally. Okay, you're probably not going to be able to have a five minute quiet time. So, how are other ways you can delight in the Lord and meditate on? So, well, I'm not referring to seasons. I'm referring to the holistic habit of life of, yeah. man, I never pick up my Bible except maybe one day a week because, you know, I get up at five and, and I'm at the office by 530 and, and I don't get home till, t- you know, again, I'm being extreme. Find a healthy rhythm is so keen if you feel like. Yeah, when there's no when there's no balance, so when there's no time for it. And then I think, too, as far as work is concerned, if you discover I am being completely unfaithful in every way to my other responsibilities in life. Mm. Uh, responsibility to the Lord to seek him, responsibility to my spouse, responsibility to children. Hey, you're not married. Responsibility to the family you do have, to community, to friends. I, you know, I'm so busy with work that I I think of different people I should check in on, but I never do it. Or you can't even serve uh, in your local church because you're so yeah. busy working that you can have nothing. You, it's your leftovers you're giving to God. And then I think another attitude is when your relationship to work is, it all like if I don't do it, it's all going to fall apart. Most of the time, that's not true. Now, there's some yeah. scenarios. If you're a doctor and you're the only cardiologist in the city and you go, oh, my goodness, I've got to get to the hospital for an emergency heart procedure. And if I don't go, no one else can do it. Yeah, that's probably a true statement if you're the only cardiologist. That's why a lot of like doctors have messiah complexes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's some situations where you might truly be the only one and you got to step <laughs> in. But most of the time, that attitude of, you know, I think for me, like... If I don't answer the phone, if I don't do it right now, I got to do it. It's all on me. It's all on my back. It's all. And it's like, actually, it's it's not. And I can't do it all. But when I find myself kind of stuck in that rut, I, to me, those are kind of check marks where I go, okay, maybe some stuff's getting a little out of whack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's some really good points, Wes. Um, Matt, you got, I think, some good Proverbs or a proverb you wanted to share today, yeah, right? Yeah, just Proverbs 16.3 uh, says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And um 
I mean, this this goes right along with what we're talking about. Um, ties into to um, you mentioned this earlier, Colossians three twenty three. Yeah. Whatever you do, work at it heartily with all, with all your heart, as of working for Lord the Lord and not for men, knowing that you'll receive the inheritance as, as a reward. And the last part of that verse says you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're committing your work to the Lord, when you're serving ultimately for His glory, um, trusting Him, trusting the success is. is his, he's going to yeah. give that to you. Um, you. You walk away from something you feel like a failure. Well, did you did you work out for the Lord? Did you give it your best? And if you did, then you didn't fail. Like you, yeah. you did what you're supposed to do, and um, you trusted God with the results. And those results don't always look the way we want them to. Um, but if we if we worked at it with all of our heart, and if we worked for the Lord, then we trust that He's He's going to do something with that. And um, but I think part of that means we have to talk about stuff we've looked at in James on Sundays. We have to pray for the wisdom yeah, to know. I mean, you can always convince yourself you can do more. Yeah. God, help me have the wisdom to know what does it mean to be faithful to you in this? Yeah. So yeah. much is already clearer that in this word, but there's sometimes there's specific things, you know, as to what you're alluding to. There. Yeah. But and God defines success, right? Right. And you, you mentioned earlier, uh, Wes, in talking about that we were created to work and thinking about, the fact that, you know, we, we think that, oh, once, once I die, once I'm in heaven, you know, then, then, you know, I, I can rest then. And, and the reality is, you know, new heaven, new earth, we're all going to be yeah. working. Yep. <laughs> we're all going to have, <laughs> yeah. we're all going to have tasks to help maintain uh, the, the new earth. And, and it's weird to think about that, but it's not going to be work that it is a beat down. It's going to be work yeah. that we, we love and we're, we're continuing in this. So, we, we learn to work now as if we're working for the Lord and um, honoring him and pleasing him in the work that we do because we're going to be working for him for eternity. That's yeah. a really good point. An example you made of faith. I think, again, what is the overall example to the Lord of success? It's faithfulness. Yeah. yeah. It's faithfulness. Lord, have I been faithful in this endeavor? Have I been faithful to work hard to the best of my gifts and talents you've given me? Have I done it for your glory rather than for mm-hmm. what the world says is a success? Have I been engaged in this in this job, whether that's school or work or athletics? Have I been engaged on your mission? How are you opening doors for mm-hmm. the, the gospel for the eternity? At the same time, part of work is am I you know, the cultural mandate, how am I creating culture and learning more about you? How am I seeing your glory come out in accounting, in math, in science and, and, and be known that. And it makes me think this is a goofy example. And I hate, I always made fun of the people. It's weird. Spent 10 years as a college and a youth pastor and rarely used sports analogies. And then somehow as a pastor, it's like, I just am blanking on stuff and I go, Oh yeah, that's a great sports analogy from the past. Like dadgummit. Now I'm that same person. (laughs) You're that guy. But, but I think of this, my, my junior and senior year of high school, both ended in playoff defeats in football. One of them was in the my senior year was in the state semifinals, and it was to the team that won the state championship. And a lot of talk was that our state semifinal game was really the, the championship. That that was the two best teams. We lost by six points. Oof. We didn't have more than two fumbles all year. We had seven that game. Heartbreaking. Oh man. But that loss doesn't ever bug me. It was the loss the year prior when we scraped in as the third team into the playoffs from our district. We had a huge upset, came back from 19-0 down against the three-ranked team in state with two minutes left in the third quarter, ended up winning the game 22-19. We go on, we're playing a team, it's the third quarter, we are winning by 12 points. And I'm listening to guys in the huddle go, we can't beat this team, we're we're not good enough, they're too good. And I was like, look at the scoreboard, we're winning, what are we? We lost the game, both times we lost. 
still to this day that my junior year irks me, but here's why. Because my junior year, we lost. We didn't, neither one did we get the outcome of success. Mm-hmm. But my junior year, we lost because we quit. We didn't do our best. We didn't, my senior year, we lost, but we left everything, and, and to use sports phrase, we left it all on the field. Yeah. We gave our best. We didn't, we didn't act stupid on the field. Mm. Uh, some bounces went the wrong way. Play that game again. Maybe we probably come out on top. Um, now that's a goofy sports example, but the same thing applies to success, man. God has called us to be faithful, to honor him with our best. Let's honor yeah. him with our best. L- leave it all out there on the field. Leave it all out there on the field of being a husband, being a, mm-hmm. being a mom, being a wife, being a dad, being, leave it on the field as being an accountant, a teacher, a yep. give the Lord your best, allow him to do more than can. And, and yeah. then when we step off, whether it's the outcome we thought it would be or not, we understand that what does God expect? Yeah. Faithfulness. And your faithfulness and doing your best is there's a practical element to it, but also what is your character as you're, as you're doing Absolutely. this and to kind of go try and do this as quick as I can to bring my sports analogy. This is the first year I ever coached a, like a kid's basketball team. I don't know anything about basketball. I haven't played since middle school and we lost every single game except for one. Now the one game we won, we won, we were super excited about, we beat, finally beat a team and we were just like overjoyed. And I was, I was proud of them. They did really good and we won, but we played the team again in the tournament and we lost. But I was more proud of the way they played in that second game because their star player was on that was actually playing that game when we lost. And their star player was their best scorer. But also he was incredibly hit. This is like elementary kids, really foul language. And was like super aggressive and really rude on the court. And I was proud of how our kids played. Yeah. They didn't stoop down to their level. They didn't start getting into fights that this kid was trying to get into them. They kept their cool and they still played hard. And even though we lost, I was so proud of them. Yeah. And I think that applies to just how we do work. Play your best, but your character and how you do it. God sees that. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. To sum all this up, we start with quiet quitting. If quiet quitting means, hey, I recognize that there's some unhealthy boundaries in my relationship to work, by all means, as faithful to the Lord, set up appropriate God-honoring boundaries because there should be boundaries, and those boundaries come from the Lord. If by quiet quitting it means, ah, let's just do the bare minimum and get by, man, that's fine for a paycheck, but man, our our God, Jesus certainly didn't just do the bare minimum. He came to honor the Lord to be faithful, and and sometimes being faithful may mean you're only able to do the bare minimum. Yeah. But again, what what does faithfulness look like, and, um, you know, let us us be known as people who work hard unto the glory of the Lord, and... um, our delight in him. And I think as we close out, that is a great prayer prompt to have God, you know, pray this as you start off your day. How can I be faithful at work? How can we be faithful as a student? How can we be faithful as I play my sport? How can we be faithful as a retired person who's serving yeah, or absolutely. taking care of my grandkids or whatever? How can I be faithful in this regard and do it to the best of my ability? Not give these people my leftovers or my leftover attitudes or leftover emotions. I think another really good prayer prompt too is God, how am I, how have I been feeling? Are my emotions healthy? Have I been really angry this week? Why am I angry? A lot of times the way our spiritual battles, they're, they're really tied into our emotions and what we're dealing with. Why am I really sad this week? What is going on? What is, have I not forgiven somebody for something that's affecting the way I'm treating people at work or what I'm doing, my work performance? Um, Matt, you got a, you got a prayer prompt too to kind of think of our conversation here as we close out? Just ultimately God, Help me to work for you today. Help me to keep that in my perspective. That Give me strength. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing this job today, but I'm doing it for you, and yeah. I'm doing it for your glory. Um, I'm not seeking the approval of men, 
but I'm doing this for your glory. And when I do that, God, you're going to give me the strength. You're going to give me the, the satisfaction and the joy, the contentment of, of working as if I'm working unto you. All righty. Yeah. Well, Matt, close us out, man. Okay. Yeah, let, let me give this to close us. Yeah. Because this is what I encourage you. Uh, prayer. Go read Colossians 1, 9 through 12. Let me read this, and this will kind of act as our closing. And we'll oh, yes, sign it off. Here's what it says. For this reason also, since the day we heard about it, we've not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord mm. to please him in all respects, mm. bearing fruit in every good work. That includes vocational work. Sure. And increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. You want to know what to pray? How should you pray? Man, that's a brilliant thing to pray. That covers walking out the will of God in vocation. What was, what was that reference again? Colossians, Colossians 1, 1, 9 through 12. 12. So that is a great message. verse to read and to follow up and just meditate on this week. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope this was encouraging to you. Hopefully it was a little bit challenging too. If you guys ever want to have any questions for us, please contact us through social media, message us, and, you know, send us an email, what have you. Um, we'd love to absolutely have a conversation with you, whatever, whatever that looks like. What have you? What have you? So <laughs> listen to us on your favorite platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeart. And most of all, what is caring? It is shame. Liking? <laughs> Yay! Yeah, sharing is caring. So we will see you in our next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, we got to get to work. So, yeah. Here see we you go. next time. Bye.